0: Welcome back to Honestly, Alicia. I'm your host, Alicia, and honestly, it's all about relationship. I'm so excited for today. While brainstorming and working to create a format for the podcast, I settled on a loose outline of interview questions. Hopefully, the questions will create a space for genuine and encouraging conversation about topics that are relevant to your life. So with each guest, we'll cover some similar questions, mostly around relationship with God, relationship with self, and relationship with others. Sometimes we'll land on a subject and spend time unpacking it, and other times we'll make it through most of the questions. All that to say, in order for you to get a feel for the podcast and a chance to hear some pieces of my story, I have John with me today. Okay, let me introduce you to John. John is a husband. He happens to be my husband. A father of four. He's a businessman living on mission for God in the car business. He runs a dealership in the Denver metro area. He is constantly learning and improving. He is ex-military. He's full of energy and positivity. He's a seven on the Enneagram, if that means anything to you. And he's an amazing skier. So that's all I'm going to say about him today because he's going to be interviewing me and I hope in the future that he will allow me to interview him and then you'll get to hear more of his story. All right, let's do it. Are we doing it? Yeah.
1: All right. When have you prayed and not seen an answer?
0: Yeah, that's the one that... I feel like has been that I'm working through for the last few years. As you know, one of our children has some significant stuff. I guess I didn't expect it to be this long that it would take so long to move towards healing. I think that that would be my answer that it's, I don't know. I guess I just expected a more immediate answer to prayer that if I'm praying in his will for healing or growth or whatever. I'm asking for healthy things that I feel like are in as well. It's confusing to me why he's not answering faster.
1: Yeah. So what do you do with that? Like how do you work through that's why waiting? I'm going to go see a counselor
0: next week about it. I don't know. I think that's been my wrestle and looking at his character and looking also at Bible characters, how they would pray about something and I'm just thinking like Abraham or whatever, you know, things would take forever. Like Moses was old when he, like he had lived a full life when he saw the burning bush and then became this great leader. Yeah. And so just, I think the encouragement that sometimes it's just like the story isn't over yet. I feel yeah. like older, older moms or wise women have said to me that child's story isn't over yet.
1: Yeah, we're not very patient.
0: No, huh. that's very true.
1: What were you taught about relating to yourself?
0: I don't know. I don't think I was taught. I was, things were modeled for me, but I wasn't ever taught much about my internal world. I think I one of the things that I think will come up on this podcast is as a Christian woman, I was taught, I, I guess, to give to the point of depletion. So what I've been trying to untangle is what is an American Christian church tradition and what is really what we see in the Bible about how to give like it says you know pick up your cross every day and carry each other's burdens but I am trying to figure out at what point do you take a break and put your own oxygen mask on and when is that self-indulgence and when is that healthy self-care and when is that Christ-like and you know as I've looked through the New Testament, and watching Jesus move, he had really, really, really healthy boundaries. Yeah. In a way that...
1: He would withdraw. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But that's not a quote-unquote Christian woman thing to do. And so I'm trying to decide how to have healthy boundaries with myself to take care of myself so that I can pour out to people and love them well. Because I can't pour out from an empty cup right so that's that's what I'm trying to figure out
1: that's good how has your relationship with yourself changed over the years
0: I've been doing a lot of trying to have compassionate self-talk instead of critical self-talk I guess what I'm saying is that you know like when I make a mistake or I forget something because you know I'm forgetful that Like the other day, how I went to the wrong doctor's office and just felt so stupid. Um, And I think that maybe 10 years ago, it's not like I would have said it out loud, but in my head, I would have been like, that was so dumb.
1: Right.
0: How could anybody that's an adult do that? Like, you're so stupid. How could you go to the wrong doctor's office? And now I recognize when those things come up, because it was happening, like I called you and I was upset and embarrassed. But then I'm, I'm working on when those things come up, thinking, how would I treat one of my closest friends? Or if you called me, I know you wouldn't do that, just because that's not you don't struggle in that area. But if you called me and you were upset because you made a mistake, would I be like, "You're so stupid. You're how could you ever be even be an adult?" Like, I, of
1: course not.
0: Right? I would never say that. And so I've been trying to say to myself what I would say to my. Someone I love. And I... So then I was like, okay, Alicia, it's been over a year since you've been to this doctor. Like, it's okay. You do manage a lot. And just to have compassionate self-talk, because I feel like I already made a mistake. Do I really need to beat myself up and make it even worse? So...
1: Do you think that some of that is... The comparison rolls into that. We've talked about that before yeah. where we just have this view of others that, oh, they nobody else struggles with that kind of thing. Right. You know, and that's just one example. But whether it's, you know, a, a clean house or kids that are perfectly put together, you know, all of those things.
0: Or just managing really to the to-do list and being on time and getting to where they need to be and not forgetting. Like yeah. how I've forgotten to pick up kids before. And... Yeah.
1: Tell us an example
0: of that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I forgot to pick up number three when number four, I was getting emails about number four and her adoption moving forward. So I just remember that one day I was so excited because I was paying attention to the the email and I'd gotten an exciting email and I'm sure I called you and I don't even know. I probably went home to like decorate or, you know, like I was so excited because it had been a long time. How many
1: months? It took a total of 30, but. By that email, we were probably 24 months in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it just made me my brain just go off. I totally forgot about him because the other older two, I think, you know, probably had activities after school, but I needed to go pick him up. And so I just remember... Where I remember where I was driving and all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot him. And I called the school. It must have been like right at pickup time. Because yeah. I don't think they would have called me because yeah. they have my number, you know.
1: That's funny.
0: Yeah. And so I feel like that time, because that was, you know, that was probably 2013. I probably, well, I was probably really still excited about her adoption moving forward. But I bet you I would beat myself up over that because you just think like, who forgets their kid, you know? And then I do the comparison like, well, this, this mom would never forget their kid. Yeah. And maybe they wouldn't forget their kid. But what I'm learning is they would struggle with other things. And so right. that's where the compassion piece is that I'm like, okay, like truly, maybe they wouldn't. But I'm trying to say, you know what? Like I say to the kids, we all struggle with some things and we're all good at other things. And so now I'm trying to say that to myself. It's easy to say it. When somebody else is in front of you struggling.
1: Nobody has it all together.
0: Right. Like my strengths might be and are different than other people's strengths. And my weaknesses can be very apparent, but they're different than other people's weaknesses. So yeah. Yeah. But the comparison, I think that's huge. You should do a whole (laughs) like comparison podcast and just talk about that.
1: Yeah. And for those that don't know you, one of your best biggest strengths is your deep connection to those very close to you that's a pretty good gift
0: thanks
1: you're welcome (laughs) what would you say to your younger self
0: oh my goodness it's such a that's such a loaded
1: you are 18 Oh. What would you say to yourself?
0: How about your I just be a young self? mom? I don't think 18 year old self okay. would have listened. Well, you weren't
1: a mom at 18. <laughs> That's true.
0: I'm saying. So what
1: would you say to your 22 year old self? Oh,
0: okay. Because 18 year old self would have been like, shut up, you're dumb. You don't know what you're talking about, right?
1: <laughs> Maybe.
0: Maybe. Okay. My 22 year old self. So we were married. Just married. Probably and... pregnant then. Yep. I would honestly talk to her about the self compassion and I would say to her, but it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Like a day can be, have some really hard lows in it and some really beautiful moments in it. Instead of maybe my thinking was more, this was hard or I'm struggling in this way or whatever. So it's a bad day. Hmm. Instead of like, you know what, that, those moments of whatever difficulty, those were hard moments. And there was beauty also, beauty in nature, beauty in connection, beauty in music. I feel like I have a much more nuanced understanding of what, like, I don't know if I ever have just a good day. Like there's never a day that goes smoothly. And so I can't, So I can't say year after year, oh, I'm never having a good day because that's wrong. There's so many beautiful moments and there's so many hard moments and they all can be wrapped up in the same day. So I, I don't know what I would say to her, like watch for the beauty. I would also say to her, go get a counselor, go get a counselor. You know, for me to begin to understand my internal world, if I could have learned some of the stuff that I've le- I learned at forty, if I could have learned it at twenty-two, I mean, that would have been really great for all of us. Yeah, it's
1: great. What were you taught about grief and how to move through it?
0: I don't feel like grief was a topic people were talking about in the 80s and 90s. It's not something that I remember discussing or learning about explicitly. And until our friend died a few years ago of suicide, before that, I hadn't had to think deeply about grief. But after she died, I was face-to-face with profound grief and had to figure out how to move through it. What I learned after our friend's death was probably that grief in in my body feels like depression but there's no way around it I think we can either shove it down and it's going to come out sideways in anger or whatever or shove it down and it's going to come out it's going to physically manifest itself in chronic illness in depression in whatever and so Allowing myself to literally cry or journal or doing counseling around it Mm -hmm. and moving through it. I just, I think there's no way around it. And I think people carry this heavy, heavy weight because almost everybody's lost somebody. And if they haven't, they will. You got to move through it. You can't sidestep it yeah so that's what I've learned,
1: and the interesting thing with grief is it kind of recirculates. It comes back around where you think you've you've addressed it or felt at least it. you felt it, and then something comes up and it triggers those same emotions.
0: yeah, I'm surprised by the days, the day of her death, the day of her birthday, you know, the day of her first attempt. Like I know those days, and I don't even try to know those days. Mm-hmm. And they, I'm surprised by the anniversaries, how they bring it up.
1: Yeah. I wonder how similar that is to like our adoptive kids, gotcha days where they're just, or significant dates. Yeah. Well, cause I young.
0: know within, especially like more of the foster community, because when you have a foster kid so often you know when that child was taken from their home hmm. I know that the moms that I'm friends with will say November like for example November is a hard month because that's when he was taken or she was taken hmm. and lost their first family so like a <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and it's not even the the date like the kid doesn't have to know it's more like The season, like what are the trees doing? What does the the light look like? Like I was talking to my mom about her mom's death and also her um, cancer diagnosis. It all came right at Christmas. Mm -hmm. So we were talking the other day about just the heaviness of it, that even if if she didn't even look at a calendar, she would know this is the time of year that I found out I had cancer. This is the time of year that I suddenly lost my mom. I do wonder that about our kids, that sometimes when they will spiral or have a behavior spike, (laughs) that it's like, I wonder what's happening internally in the season or this time of year that their bodies just know. They just know. They know something really, really sad and hard happened. Like I wonder about our one child that lives through the earthquake. I haven't stopped to slow down to pay attention. Is that day a hard day for her? You know? Yeah. So.
1: So something you said sparked a question that I didn't have prepared to ask you, but what would you say to so many people that will tell an adoptive parent, your kids, your adoptive kids are so lucky that you brought (laughs) them into your family? I mean, I've personally heard that so many times. So what would you say to that comment that's totally innocent? Like they truly, it's, it's totally heartfelt, but I'll, I'll, Maybe I'll jog a few thoughts in your mind, but I think of, I have a lot well, of if I were a kid, would I want a new family or would I want the family that I, I had?
0: Yeah, but Even it's like, it was... do you say that to that person no, if it's no, a passing not, comment?
1: No, no, not at all. Yeah. Um, but like what's going in, our, our kids have, they've lost so much. I know. And what what thoughts do you have in your mind there? Because it's a, it's a heartfelt and it's, and it's, a, it's common... a legitimate, it's a legitimate thought. What what are your thoughts on that? When when a, another family member or a friend or an acquaintance just is
0: naive a, to yeah, if it's somebody I have a relationship with, I'll talk to them about it. If and so it's what a, would
1: you say in that instance?
0: I would say every single adoption starts with profound loss and trauma.
1: Hmm.
0: I would actually describe what our son has said to me about one of my best days of my life, which was the day we went to the orphanage in Haiti and I got to pick him up off the couch and, you know, like, oh, we had waited for so long. And I just snuggled him and I just kissed him and, you know, it was like my best day. And, and he and I will talk about how that one probably was one of his worst days. Yeah. When a stranger picked him up, 16 months he lived in that orphanage, and then one day he didn't. Right. You know, I just picked him up, and Louis moved and stayed in that little guest house, and yeah. then he never went back. We went back up to the balcony and let him play, but I would retell that story and say, think about from his point of view. Is he like, oh, thank you so much right. for taking me? Or is he like, what is happening? Right. Why is everything different? All the sounds, all the smells, everything is different. You know? So I, I would say put yourself in a child's or a foster kid yeah. that gets taken. Yes, maybe mom and dad aren't safe or whatever, but there's still profound loss.
1: That brings back a memory of coming back from Haiti with number four. Um, <laughs> and not number four adoption but number number two adopted
0: um, <laughs> number four num- kid our number
1: four kid and i just remember looking over and we were all excited oh. uh, all six of us went there or all five of us went there and six of us came back but number four was just looking out the window
0: crying i remember crying on the plane yeah, with these, her
1: these huge tears yeah as she's looking out over her country going by and
0: And just confused,
1: like confused and scared and like, who knows what was going on in her head and we're happy, but she was so sad. So anyway, there's extreme loss in, in that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think sharing those things just makes people think. I remember I was talking to one of my friends about it and just even the phrase that every single adoption starts with profound loss. Yeah.
1: Alright, we're going to switch gears into relationships with others. Describe a time when relationships have been beautiful and life-giving.
0: Right now, what comes to mind is our big kids, especially as they're older. Just fun to hang out with. And even as teens, they were, you know, they were still really fun, like just watching funny TV shows with them or whatever. You know, just hanging out with Mm them was fun.
1: When has a relationship been difficult?
0: Definitely with one of our children. Until he was in our lives, I don't feel like I had ever had a relationship with somebody that wasn't reciprocal. And not that all of the relationships were good, but it was like, I bring something and they bring something. I do think though, like when our biological kids were infants, I didn't recognize it at the time, but when they were teeny tiny, like before they smiled, I just remember it being feeling so sad. And so, you know, everybody's like, Oh babies, you know? And for me, it was, I don't know when they never reciprocated and they just took and they took and they took and they took and they only took from me, that was really hard as a young mom. I think now, you know, if we had babies or I had babies in my thirties, I would have known and had the perspective. But at the time, I didn't have the perspective to know that, you know, just wait, they're going to like smile back at you because mm-hmm. once they smiled and then they laughed, oh my goodness. It was like all of that was totally worth it. Right. And so I think having a child that um, had so much hurt and loss that he wasn't able to reciprocate and it felt like almost a pit that I could pour out and pour out and pour out. And it took a long time for there to be any reciprocation. So that was really difficult.
1: So what have you learned from that?
0: <laughs> I've learned that the things that are hard for me are different than the things that are like hard for you. I've learned about my attachment style and that um, it's almost easier when someone engages with me even if it's in anger or with intensity versus somebody that shuts me down
1: right which you know? we get to experience that occasionally from time to time too
0: yes yeah because we've got yeah which right. is
1: interesting I've observed that
0: it's hard for me it's but not really for you. hard
1: for you in that more so than engaged anger
0: mm-hmm.
1: where for me the engaged anger is super hard and this uh, shutting quietly of the door and being quiet in their room. Um, and shutting me out isn't as big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's really interesting. Yeah.
0: It's really interesting. Right. Cause what triggers you doesn't trigger me yeah. and vice versa. And so I don't think I noticed that. I thought maybe after number three that I maybe had learned all, <laughs> all the stuff and all my triggers and worked through them. Apparently not.
1: Yeah. I, I, I tell people this fairly frequently of our a little bit of at least my adoption story of like preparation not my personal but (laughs) us adopting but my feelings about it were with our first two our biological kids like I literally felt we had figured it out we We did we We cracked the code we had read a couple of these great books and you know we get compliments from all our friends and stuff like man your kids are so well behaved and I thought we had arrived I'm like okay we could we we this adoption thing, it, we got this. We got <laughs> we got parenting figured out. We got it. Oh my, how humbling. Right? How do you prioritize relationships and community?
0: I think when I was younger, I wasn't as aware of how important they are, just because you're just doing your thing and thinking about the next thing, or parenting or whatever, going to school, or whatever. So now I make it a priority And it's tricky because there's times where I will make it a priority to spend quality time with somebody I care about. And then maybe I don't have time or energy to do some of the tasks that I want to do. Like what I want is to be able to do both. To get all my things done on my to-do list and to connect deeply with everyone. (laughs) But it doesn't work that way. So, yes. So how do I do it? i just try to keep it as a priority.
1: As we wrap this up, what are a couple of podcasts that you're listening to right now?
0: I like one by Dr. Allison Cook, and she does The Best of You. She's a licensed counselor. And so she brings in that part, but also she's a Christian. I've been listening to Lisa Turker's Therapy and Theology. She's got her, and then a therapist, and then a theologian. They will talk about a topic, and then the, the theologian... I mean, they're all believers, but and the theologian will really go deeply into Scripture. and It's just really cool to, to see how the theologian pulls those things out and is able to say, when we look at the whole canon of Scripture... And look at this subject. What what does God's word show us about that? So those two right now.
1: Great. And top three books you've read, not including the Bible.
0: <laughs> uh, just Find Your People by Jenny Allen, because, you know, that's about relationship. I would say um, Bruce Perry and Oprah, What Happened to You. It's really accessible. And then... A similar book, but super um, thick and a little bit less accessible is um, The Body Keeps the Score. I think that is incredibly important to read. But if that's too much, then the Oprah one and on Audible, the Oprah one is really intriguing and easy to listen to. What do you mean by accessible? Accessible. Um, It's not too like clinical or too, you know, like psychology jargon. Got it. Where I feel like The Body Keeps the Score, Bessel van is more... I don't know. It's just more dense. It's not a quick read. You know, gets in the weeds maybe a little bit for somebody that's like, hey, can I get some bullet points? And the Oprah one's a little bit, not lighter because the topic is similar. But it's just more accessible. I don't
1: know. Well, Alicia, thank you very much for allowing me to... Your first podcast with you.
0: Woohoo! High five.
1: And
0: we'll just say goodbye.
1: Goodbye. Bye.
0: It's time for a segment called What is Happening? What should we call the segment?
2: Chicken mayhem.
0: Chicken mayhem. Well, no, because it's supposed to be funny stories with um, whatever guest. So this one just happens to be me because dad interviewed me.
2: Okay. Um. Crazy stories with our family. Then.
0: Crazy stories with a family? No. What if no, they're no, not no, part no. of our family? No, 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 no. I'm thinking. What in the world? Get a load of this. Get a load of this. Oh, that's pretty good. You don't like what the heck? What the heck? Remember when you and T would be like the heck? when you had your little voices
2: well yeah well not anymore so I'd like though get a load of this get a load it could of get this you to load it.
0: I, I also like what is happening you have to say it that way though right like what is happening because so many times
2: that's what you sound like
0: that's what no I don't sound like that what do I sound like you no know, I said you do sound like that oh well, you want to start or you want me to The chicken story. (laughs) All right. So, this is the last time, not the last time, but one of the recent times that I looked around and thought, what is happening? (laughs) We came home from school and what?
2: I don't really remember. I think I, you asked me. Did you find the
0: chicken? Did I find the chicken? I found the chicken. And it was still warm. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but Like you asked
2: me to like go to the back to do something, and I went outside, and I saw the chicken just dead on the ground. And? And like a half-formed egg. I yeah. thought that was super cool. I still have a picture of that. Ew.
0: Kinda sad, though. <laughs> then I go out in the backyard, and there's this chicken that looks like it just dropped dead, but it doesn't have any- there's feathers around, but it doesn't have any bite marks. It's head's still intact. <laughs> And then, so then, I was like, well, it's clearly dead, but it must have just died a few minutes ago. So then it's like, what do you what do, you do? Do I put it in the garbage? But we back up to an open space, so, and there's a lot of predators that live out there. Just wild coyotes. Yeah, coyotes, foxes.
2: Fo- yeah, foxes, coyotes, and sometimes elk will fly there.
0: Yeah, I don't think yeah. elk, elk eat yeah. chicken. Yeah. So... I go, to, I go get gloves on. Also wasn't sure it was dead. <laughs> I grab the chicken with my gloves on by the legs, and I'm going to fling it.
2: Into the open space.
0: Into the open space. And I'm almost flinging it. And also, you were like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just going to fling it. Somebody will eat it.
2: Yeah, I said we should just throw it away. My mom thought that we should throw it into
0: the field. I just, it's the circle of life. I figured that. A predator. Yeah, but then I said,
2: well, I like, if someone finds it, because there are a lot of people that do walk in the field, so.
0: They don't walk up next to our fence, so. They walk way down there by the walking path. I can't fling it that far. <laughs> anyway, so I go to fling the chicken. And mid-fling, right, before I let go Not of it. Not mid-fling,
2: no. You were still cocking back. You were getting ready. <laughs> and then your phone rang.
0: My phone rings. And, and, Ma- I- and
2: she flipped out you like started going because you're oh, no, what happens if it was like a neighbor looking out the window? I totally like, thought it thought was that a th- neighbor Because she, she, she thought it was like it was like illegal and she thought like the cops gonna get called I don't know <laughs> something like that. So <laughs> she just dropped the chicken pulled out her phone and apparently it was it was a neighbor and they <laughs> and the mom just called to apologize to my mom that um their dog got out and maybe killed one of her chickens like, their dog is, like, a super energetic dog. Pretty much like a puppy, but, like, almost in, like, a full-size dog body. So, he, like, jumped our fence and apparently ran around, scared the chicken to death. So, the chicken didn't... It just had a heart attack.
0: It had a heart attack. Yeah. And then her kids were worried that, you know, maybe the dog would have to be put down. we're like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're like, they no, it's the fine. just put a chicken. A dog. No, it's a sweet dog. Anyway, so I was so
2: happy. I mean, could have showed him no mercy?
0: Yeah, but that's <laughs> ridiculous. It's a chicken versus like the sweet puppy. So that was probably just trying to wrestle the chicken and play. Yeah. So anyway. Ooh, I, think, so yeah, I think the
2: same chicken that died was the one that got its head dipped.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I'm
2: here he to had some trauma back then. I no, had trauma now.
0: Because when they were chicks.
2: Who was that? Was that, um... Mrs. Wee... Was that Mrs. Weasley? Was that Jenny?
0: I don't know. Cause it was one of the yellow it,
2: it was Yeah, because I know Ron's still alive. And actually, I actually think Mrs. Weasley's still alive, so I think that probably was
0: Jenny. Maybe. So one of the neighbors was holding the chick and then dropped the chick, and then the hunting dog grabbed it but didn't bite down on it. The neighbor dog is a hunting dog. But he didn't kill the kill the chick, but it was a little stressed out for a couple days, so it might have had some... Just
2: so the people know, this was a completely different dog. A different neighbor.
0: Different neighbor dog. Anyway, so I got back to flinging the chicken and... <laughs> I
2: got back to winding up.
0: Wound up and flung the chicken out into the field. And...
2: Probably got devoured later that night.
0: It probably did. It was a snack for a coyote. There's our story. Thank you for helping share the story. You're welcome. Keeping it light.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Bye. Goodbye. Thanks for spending your valuable time listening in. Honestly, Alicia. Find Honestly Alicia on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.